Hey guys, it's me, Laura Rose. Thank you so much for joining me today. I don't usually do a separate intro, but the um, Skype interview that I did with our guest today, Brandy Lee, the beginning was all wobbly and you couldn't really hear anything that we were saying. So I'm re-recording the intro, which I'm actually very happy to do because talking to Brandy was such a wonderful experience for me for so many reasons. And I'm excited to share those with you before we get into our conversation. Brandy is one of the few individuals I have found who identifies as a mental health coach. So I thought it was perfect to have her on um, during Mental Health Awareness Month. We actually recorded this video several months ago, um, but I thought this was really the perfect time to air it on the podcast. She's one of the few people I've really encountered who has pursued a journey of recovery as somebody who's affected by someone who has an addiction. Um, She talks in this episode about her experience um, with her mother who struggled from addiction and several other people that she knew and how she really lost her own identity because of that struggle. And um, once, you know, push came to shove in her family and they sort of hit rock bottom after an incident with her mom, she really um, looked inward and realized that it was her who was, she was also struggling very much as a result of her mother's addiction. And this is very similar to my story. I um, have had, I have addiction in my family and I am someone who has struggled very much because of what alcoholism does to families, whether you're the drinker or not the drinker and the way that it makes people treat the drinker and all the dynamics that it creates. And um, I really passionately pursued my own recovery from that after I graduated high school. Um, I got into college and really realized that these things that I had, these traits that I possessed because of my upbringing were really holding me back from having the life that I wanted to live. And they felt really impossible to overcome on my own. So um, I became part of a recovery community that deals with people who come from my situation, people who've grown up and are affected by al- by um, alcoholism. And that community is known as Al-Anon. So if you've heard of Alcoholics Anonymous, this is actually like AA for people who live with or have lived with alcoholics. Um, and I'm sharing that with you today. It's usually a very private fact that, you know, if you're in Al-Anon, you don't necessarily talk about it at the level of press or radio, um, because it's meant to be a very anonymous fellowship, but I'm sharing it with you today, um, because I think it's an important piece of information to have just to understand where I'm coming from in my, my journey. And, um, what really helped me at the start of it more than anything else, which was having a community of fellowship. I think so many of us right now are in this place where um, maybe we're face to face with some of what has been really not working for us in our lives. It reminds me very much of that time when I got into Al-Anon. All of my creature comforts were taken away from me and um, I was left to really just face myself. I was living in London at the time. I had a minimum wage job and there were no extras to distract me. I had no friends there. I was really running away. And when I ran away, myself caught up with me big time. Um, And so having no money turned out to be a pretty big blessing in disguise because not only did I have nothing to distract me from really dealing with what was holding me back, but I also... um, went, decided to go to an Al-Anon meeting because it was free and I couldn't afford a therapist. Turned out to be the best decision I'd ever made in my entire life. I truly believe that fellowship gave me what I have today. And I learned a lot about codependency and other issues that were playing major roles in my life. Um, you know, I didn't really know how to set boundaries. I had a very warped view of who I was and it was very difficult for me to take care of myself. And all these things were holding me back in a very big way. And my whole life, the focus had been on 
the alcoholic and, you know, the dysfunction of living with alcoholism as it pertains to how the alcoholic was struggling, I didn't really um, think about how it could have affected me in extremely severe ways, even as though I might have been drinking myself, although I wasn't. So um, I was so excited to talk with Brandy because she's someone who has a really similar story, um, really came face to face with herself at a very young age, and now she's a mental health coach. So um, I can't wait to share this interview with her, with you, um, and share her story with you. Um, and hopefully it can give you some encouragement if you find yourself facing similar issues during this quarantine or at any time in your life. And even if you don't, she just has so much wisdom to share about how we can all um, give ourselves some encouragement and take care of ourselves. One last thing, she said something to me that I don't want to let go because she said it off of the recording and not when we were actually doing the interview. She um, I was talking to her about my breastfeeding journey with like both of my kids, how the first one, it didn't work out at all. And the second one, I was kind of done after three or four months, but both times there was one commonality. I was always, I called all of my friends before like giving it up each time to ask them when they gave it up, when, when were they done? How did they know? And I knew the whole time when I was done, like my inner voice knew but I was still looking for validation. I was looking for somebody to tell me that they did the same thing and that it was okay. And she really told she really pinned the nail on the head about that. Um, I told her that story and she was like, yeah, you were looking for validation. And I just think that's so freeing um, for all the moms out there who are maybe dealing with something similar. You know, we all parent differently. We all give our, we all do different things and do different things that work for us. And um, it's just important to know that you know what's best for yourself and for your children. And I wish I'd had somebody in my ear like Brandy to say, hey, stop looking for other people's validation and just do what you know is right. Um, Clear out the noise. So um, without any further ado, here's Brandy herself and all of her awesome guidance. I'm Laura Max Rose, mother of two, and you're listening to Look Ma No Hands, my candid dispatches from the front lines of motherhood. I ask the real, tough, honest questions on motherhood-related topics that we're all wanting to know more about, in hopes it will make everyone's journey fulfilling, easier, and more joyful. If you're not a mom, welcome. I want you to know how happy I am that you're listening and that these topics can be applied to any season of life. I'm grateful you're along for the ride today. So before I get into our interview, Brandy, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. And uh, we were just talking off the record before I started recording um, about how this pandemic has really eradicated a lot of our reality as we knew it. And one of the, the converse and a lot of the conversations that we were used to hearing all the time. And one of those conversations was around the working versus stay at home mom. And the mom shaming that was just taking over um, the world of motherhood, especially on social media. I was having a conversation with somebody recently about how um, the world of the motherhood world on Instagram can be so toxic, just profoundly toxic. And as a result of this pandemic, you know, we're almost we're seeing so much less of that. I wouldn't say that we're seeing none of it, but we're seeing so much less of it. And I think the reasons for that right now are, are extremely obvious, but that's what I'm going to ask you about. Um, and I want to, you, you work with a lot of, you're a mental health coach. You work with predominantly women, many of whom are, are whom are moms. And um, you work with women who are facing this conundrum, like 
how much should I be working? Should I, how often should I be staying home with my kids? And you were telling me earlier that a lot of the women you work with, um, they just want to know how to be there essentially for their families without losing their own identity. Um, so I'm really excited to talk to you today about how you work with women to maintain, um, maintain that sense of identity. I was just speaking to, um, a parenting coach named Randy Rubenstein. She was on my podcast several episodes ago. And we just had this mind blowing conversation where she talked about being a model and not a martyr that so many of us go into motherhood thinking that we need to just sacrifice everything for our children and give them everything that we have. And then we come out of it when they're 18 and we get to go find ourselves again and throw ourselves in the, into the workforce. But really the best thing we can do for our kids is to model for them what we would like them to have. So, um, I'm excited to hear from you how you think we can be doing more of that, especially in this time where so many of us have no time. We're, we're home with our kids all day. So um, take it away. I've, I've heard enough of myself talking. I'm excited to hear what you have to say about this. Thank you so much. So, yeah, I love that you're uh, it's so funny that you mentioned this, because before our call, I was writing down like this whole idea of um, finding our identity in in my story. And so I want to tell you a little bit about my story before I give some tips on how can we identify who we are as moms, whether we're stay at home moms, working moms, whether we do both. Um, but one thing that stood out to me was, um, my story because I was raised by a stay at home mom and I've got three siblings and she was that, um, typical mom. So she's the one that had, I mean, my house was spotless. My dad said, you know, when we were younger that we couldn't even sit on the couch because it was just, everything was so spotless. She had dinner every night. Like she was that model mom, right? Talk about being a model, not a martyr. Um, but after years and years of doing this, like her only purpose was, it's a huge purpose, but was just being a mom. And I think over time she lost who she was as a person. So she fell into addiction and self-worth. And even, even as a young kid, um, Laura, I remember my mom was, I mean, drop dead gorgeous. She was in all kinds of magazines, things like this, drop dead gorgeous, um, perfect body. And she had the worst self-esteem. I'm talking about like the worst self-esteem. She would look in the mirror in front of me. She would talk about how fat her butt was, her hips were too big. And, um, and literally she was the like most beautiful person. And not just because she's my mother. I mean, everyone in my family was like, she's, she's perfect. So she lost her identity um, through being a mom and she didn't ever go after her dreams. And I hear so many moms, I don't know if you hear this a lot on your podcast and through your network, but so many moms are like, well, I'm afraid to like, I think it's selfish to spend an hour away from my kids recording a podcast or to work on myself or to take a hot bath or to read a book. Like it's just selfish because I'm always just trying to, to be with the kids. Do you hear a lot of that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, and so when women tell me that, like, it hurts my heart because it's like my mom, um, she's in her early fifties now. And she's, I mean, really, she has no identity. She has no purpose. Um, I graduated college, what, like five years ago, but even before then, when I graduated high school, which was 10 years ago, um, I was the last kid at home. And so when she realized she had no purpose, she never worked on any side projects. She never figured out who she wanted to be and what she wanted out of her life. And so I think it's so important when we're thinking of our identity, it's not about like being a stay at home mom or being a working mom. I don't, I don't, I think that we've got it wrong in society. It's really about like being a purpose filled mom and having purpose, whether that purpose is working on a business or whether that purpose 
is simply just knowing who you are in your identity and volunteering in uh, the church or volunteering in, in places that you enjoy and doing things you love. I think we get it so wrong. And um, we think, you know, it's all about who's, who can be the best mom and look the best on the internet. Um, but what really matters is how you're taking care of yourself because your kids are watching every single thing you do. So I've had to come through a lot of different um, realizations of myself, of my confidence, my self-esteem. I saw a therapist for years because I didn't know who I was. I, I didn't know. Um, I associated my work with my worth, right? So I worked um, at a marketing company for seven years and I worked day, you know, early in the morning to late at night. And that's who I was. And when I quit that, I lost my identity because I tied it so much into this one thing. So I think as moms, it's so important to focus on like finding yourself throughout the 18 years you're raising a child, not afterwards. Like I'm working right. with still, you yeah. still exist during those 18 years. Yes. Um, and I, I think so many people right now, um, I have so many things to say about what you just said. First of yes. all, I absolutely commend your bravery and, um, I identify so much with so many parts of your story and, um, <laughs> I, I think the world coming to a complete pause and a complete stop right now um, has caused so many people who do identify with either their work or perhaps different aspects of their parenthood that can't really take place right now um, to really stop and reevaluate. Mm -hmm. Like, is this, this really isn't who I am. This is just something that I did. And, and to yes. derive all of my worth and value from it is not sustainable. Um, we're not just going to be flashing and going back to normal. Like I have to figure out a new way to make myself feel valuable. And I know that for me, there have there were many times before this pandemic happened where I saw myself doing a lot of what you just described, um, setting the table or just kind of having this ideal situation for my kids that I was busting my ass <laughs> to create yes. for them yes. and thinking that that's what made me a good mom. And now realizing that um, I was like three minutes away from being so drained every day. Um, I was always like using up all everything that I had. Um, by the time the day was over, I just kind of wanted to collapse. And this has caused me just to look at things so much differently in such a beautiful way. Um, I started off my pandemic parenting. Um, I have this friend who's also a podcaster and she's like, you don't need to have a Pinterest pandemic. And I was, I was having a Pinterest pandemic. Like I was homeschooling. I, I had the colorful, you know, calendar. I was so excited about all these activities I was going to have for my kids. Everything was about them. Yeah. And, and it didn't take me long to see that you know, while that used to work for me, because my oldest was in school until about four o'clock every day. So from four to seven, I got to be Pinterest mom. And everything was about her for those three hours. And her life, like yeah. the way she knows me is that I'm full of energy and can give her my undivided attention. And that's her understanding of me. And I was very proud of that. I also always felt kind of guilty that I was giving her this sort of inaccurate representation of who I am and of reality. And so pandemic happens and that all comes crashing down. I can't just spend the whole day filling my tank to have three hours for her in which I'm full of energy and full of life. I have to figure out how to make things work when I'm home with her and her little sister all day and I am their primary caretaker and I'm the housekeeper and I have all these other things that I have to do. And it became very clear to me very quickly that I was going to have to fill my tank and take care of myself more than I ever imagined was appropriate or possible if I was to actually thrive in this situation and in every situation beyond. And I had absolutely no idea that I wasn't doing that. 
I had no idea that before this, that I was letting myself fall to the wayside to the degree that I was. Um, It really just hit me in between the eyeballs. And I'm grateful that I've been given this opportunity to really reevaluate the ways that I take care of myself. And being a model for me is not being a model mother. It's about showing them what it looks like to have self-esteem, showing them what it looks like to love myself and to give myself time. And like, let, let me tell you, like, I'm a lot less snappy now. I'm a lot more patient. Yeah. And I, I think my kids probably appreciate that a lot more than they appreciated having 50 crafts to do between, you know, 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. and 12 p.m. So, yes. um, yeah, I really think that there's something to that. And um, I'm sure you found that in working with women um, that once we can redirect whether or not we're putting all of our energy into a a hobby that we have or, or a career. Maybe some of us haven't had like the biggest career dreams. I know a lot of people who really have only like, they've just wanted to be a mom their whole lives and that's great, but really putting energy into ourselves the way that we would give it it to our children is so important. Absolutely. I mean, isn't that what we're taught as, you know, when you become a mom, you're taught to basically put everyone's needs before your own. And that's just, that's, yeah. the, that's the norm, right? So when we don't do yeah. that, we're like, well, we don't look like the other moms or we want to send our kids to Mother's Day out, even though we're a stay at home mom. So how is that going to look, right? Like, who are we? If we yeah, do that? yeah. Yeah. Who are we? And what will we do with ourselves? And, you know, what if, so it's, it's sad because I have five sister-in-laws um, and I told you about my mother, but like, Some of them are working moms, but other ones are stay-at-home moms. And they all are debating these same things, like, what will I look like? And you know what? Like, just like Rachel Hollis says, like, people's opinions are none of our business. So Yeah, they really aren't. Everyone's going to have one. I love that. I haven't done any Rachel Hollis yet, but I I always tell myself, you know, other people's opinions are none of my business. Like, everyone's going to have one. Yes, and it's so true. And, like, the thing that I think is so interesting is, like, no matter if you're a stay-at-home mom or a working mom and, like, there's this shame filled about, like, what does she do? Oh, she works, but she also does. You know, it's, like, who can do more? But, like, none of us are really, like, talking about, like, who can be more because truly we're, like, human be- beings and we're not meant to be human doings. So I think, no. yeah, I think when we slow down and evaluate, especially during pandemic, when we realize, like, oh, like, all the table settings and the crafts and the being the perfect mom, like, the kids think that's cool, but truly, if they saw me, like, embracing and, like, having peace and not screaming all day long because I'm frustrated, that's probably a lot more valuable for them to see, like, inner peace within myself and the way I look and the way I feel than, um, like, a beautiful table, right? <laughs> yeah, right. They don't care about that stuff at all. And that was yeah. the thing that was tripping me up so much, too, was I was doing all these things, like, expecting my kids to love them, like, getting all the exciting crafts together or making the table pretty. And like, they don't care about stuff like that. They're going to remember if you snap at them um, or something, you know, like I had no energy left. Um, Like I had zero reserve. And I also think this has been a heavy, I mean, the news, I'm not completely avoiding. I know a lot of people are like, I can't watch the news. I can't, I mean, it's unavoidable for me. So yes, I'm taking in some of it every day, not a ton of it, but some of it. And um, it was, it's been heavy these last few days. And I've been affected by that. And um, my mood has been heavy. And like, you know, my husband has said in front of the kids, like, mommy, you know, let's give mommy some space and let's be really kind to mommy because she's having a really hard time right now. And like for them to see that I'm not going to have a great day every day, like they're in my space all the time and I'm not always 
doing great? And how do I handle it when I'm in that space? They can kind of see me retreat a little bit and um, keep a little bit more to myself and let it be okay that I'm not going to be as hands-on with them. And I think that creates this environment of respect for mom and um, all the things that we kind of want out of overscheduling our kids and over-disciplining them, we kind of get when we just let go and surrender. It also seems like totally crazy to me looking back at all the things that I was doing before this happened to try to like instill all of the habits and behaviors that I wanted my kids to possess and seeing that so much of it was almost doing the exact opposite of what I was doing before, like really just letting go and taking care of myself and taking the focus off of, of them and, and redirecting that energy so that they, their kids, like they're really, they, they do play really well together. They do all these things that I didn't even give them the opportunity to do on their own because I was always hovering yeah, because you were because that's what you thought was the right thing to do. You're like, well, that's it's it's pandemic. I need to bring them comfort. I need to make things fun. I need to be a teacher. I need to be a mom. I need to be a chef. I need to be a podcaster. I need to be all the things. But then when yeah. you're like, what if they just watch me like be and like to feel my best? Isn't that a lot better than just like being the chef and being the decorator and being the interior designer? Like, what if you just simply were just like yourself and you embrace your self-esteem, your confidence, your everything for your children and like the peace, right? Like right. so many moms right now, like I don't think they realize it because like I have, like I said, I have five sister-in-laws and I love each of them dearly. But I mean, when we're yelling at our kids all the time, it definitely affects their mental health and they're like, feel like they're on eggshells, right? So it's like, why right. don't we just take the time? It's so much more important than a pretty picture on Facebook to just like, hide in the closet for 10 minutes and a journal about how heavy we're feeling so we can come out and like have some peace. Right. Yeah. I think, um, I think that's absolutely, I think that's absolutely correct. And I think journaling also, by the way, has been an incredible tool, um, that I've been able to utilize during this time just to get clear. Like if I can't get clear on how I'm feeling about all the stuff that's going around on around me, like how am I supposed to really guide them? Um, you were talking earlier about, you know, the way that you were raised. And I know that you don't have children yet, but I'm, I know you've worked with a lot of moms and I have found that having recovered from a lot of similar and different trauma in my life, um, having kids was like a whole new level of recovery and understanding of myself. Um, just the way that I was triggered by having, by being responsible for another human being, um, it sort of sent me almost like in the reverse direction, if that makes any sense. I um, had done so much learning. I, ha I had such a thorough understanding that peace really begins with me um, and with my own self-care. And then you have a kid and like, honestly, I mean, biologically, they rely on us for all of their basic needs to be met. And it was amazing how quickly my thinking went from like, I matter so much to I don't matter at all. And even like the messages around breastfeeding and formula feeding that like I needed to be breastfeeding my kid, even though it was extremely challenging for me with my first child, it was like, all right, well, you know what? I'm not going to listen to any part of me that's saying that this doesn't work for me because the only thing that matters is giving my kid what she needs. Um, it can be very triggering, I think, for people who do have a tendency to abandon themselves when they're feeling traumatized. And I'm wondering what you might have to say about that, considering you've had some similar life experiences. Absolutely. Like 
Well, that's the, that's the thing. We, we are not, we are born as women. Like when, when we're born into the world, we're meant, we're, we're, we're given care to be caregivers, right. To be able to, to love and to put others before ourselves. But I think, especially when you have um, grown up in addiction or trauma or in events, it kind of triggers this whole new, like, wait, I thought I was codependent before, but now I actually have to kind of, um, this kid depends on me. So there is a, this new aspect of like dependency, right? Cause you're like, well, before maybe I was codependent on people that didn't need me. And that was a, a habit I had to break, but now it's like this child actually has to eat or else they will not live. So you right. have to have this whole new, this whole new perspective. And I think when you mentioned, um, you mentioned something about, you know, having to watch some of the news because obviously we can't avoid it. But I think that's something really important about motherhood is like, there's so many times that 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 mothers and women are just doing, doing, doing that they don't spend the time to like assess their news, their news channel. And I don't mean the external news channel. Like I'm talking about like what they're telling themselves and the right. emotions that they're feeling and like this whole like, should I breastfeed? Should I not breastfeed? But like, well, what if we just like sat down for a moment and like wrote out like I'm feeling guilt for not wanting to breastfeed and that really sucks. But here's why I shouldn't. And this is why I can't. And then like releasing that like we hold on to so many of these expectations and like this society of like this is what I'm supposed to do instead of like embracing what's right for us which is really hard and like that's the hard work is like this codependency of of this past trauma like in, in my life like to be honest with you I, I don't think I've shared this with many people but here I go like I'm scared of death to have children because I've been raising um, adult children my whole life and I think about that same thing. I think it's really important for me now more than ever to start prioritizing how I feel and what I like to do and how I feel best when I care for myself and what works best for me, not what works best for Laura or works best for any of my sister-in-laws or works best for anyone else, but like what makes me feel my best and creating that habit. Um, because like you said, I mean, you need to be a model for your children and even my nieces and nephews, like. I mean, I want to be a model for them. I want them to see their Aunt Brandy, like, excel and succeed and, and be happy and to have peace and to deal with her emotions because things are always going to be hard. But I think we live in this world where, like, we all push all that aside and, like, have these beautifully curated Instagram feeds and, like, these great meals that we post on, you know, uh, Instagram or Facebook. And, and that's not the truth. The truth is, is, like, especially during pandemic, Laura, like, we're all going through so much. So we have to decide like something that works for us in the middle of it all. Well, I've been thinking so much about what you just said that I almost don't even know if the if the Instagram like ideals of motherhood can coexist at all with <clears throat> the revelations that I've had, at least personally, around um, what motherhood really is and what it really looks like, where everybody is sane and everybody like so much of what's going on right now in this pandemic is that people's like facades and exteriors are just kind of melting away. Um, and we're becoming more present for our lives. And like the idea of being a human doing instead of a human being starts to feel more painful when you've spent more time away from that. And I'm very curious to see kind of how that will unfold. And I know that for me personally, um, this has been an incredible opportunity for me to reprioritize how things feel as opposed to how things look. And I think oh, yeah. when I'm 
weighing one. Uh, yeah. I mean, when I'm weighing one against the other, like I'm going to choose how things feel over how they look. So I, I can't imagine I'm the only one. And I think we're going to be seeing a pretty big shift in the way motherhood is communicated and perceived and, and displayed because so many of us are, are um, being look, being asked to reevaluate what really matters to us. You know, does it matter that everybody thinks that we're doing really well and that we have this great family life and that we're thriving or does it matter that we actually feel great in our lives? Because from all the mothers that I've spoken to, um, I would say most, if not all of them would agree that like during this time, um, it's like we've been able to have family dinners. We've been able to reconnect with the people in our family as opposed to hustling around all day and only maybe sharing like 40 minutes with the people who matter most to us. Um, and that stuff is so much more fulfilling than this constant display of what we think should be going on. Like we were spending so much time making it look like this was what was happening, like that we were having these idyllic family moments. And like now that maybe more of them are occurring in some cases, um, it's like there's not even like really as much time or interest in in displaying that or regurgitating it to the outside world in a way that seems appealing. So I'm really curious to kind of see how that plays out. And I also want to say I I'm I want you to talk a little bit more about the raising adult children concept because I know some people listening might not necessarily know what that means or have heard that term. Um, but that just hearing you, first of all, I would want you to be coaching me <laughs> having my next kid. I always go every time I have a baby, which has only been twice. Um, but I, I have this major just like regression into um, really, I, I really struggle to take care of myself um, because it's just a very challenging concept for me that I have a yeah. major responsibility. I mean, I think most women who have a kid um, have a new baby can relate to this, but I start doing this thing. I always know I'm, I'm in trouble when I do this and I've been doing this lately around something else. I always know I'm in trouble when I start asking, when I start calling my friends and asking them the same question, like I start asking five of my friends their opinion on breastfeeding versus formula. Validation. Yeah. Validation. Yeah. I'm looking for validation. So right now I was telling you this before we started recording our city, you know, the, the, the state isn't, we're in a state of lockdown. I mean, our country is in a state of lockdown, but, um, our governor in Texas, governor Abbott is slowly reopening our state. And, you know, I come from a family lineage. I come from a background of, of, of political viewpoints that would contrast. I'm trying to say this as politically correctly as I possibly can with, with ones, um, would contrast with what the governor's doing right now. So, much safer wanting to stay locked down until the virus is eradicated. I have kids though, and I'm, I'm ready for one of them to go back to school. Um, and I think a lot of parents can relate to that. And so our schools are reopening um, slowly, but surely like the preschools are. And now it's kind of on the parents to decide how they're going to handle that. And I've been doing the same thing, Brandy. I've been calling my friends to see what they're doing with their kids because I'm not sure that what I want to do is necessarily the right thing or the best thing for my kids or, and, and, you know, I was talking to you about this before we um, started recording and you were like, well, you have to do what's right for you. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I've literally been on the phone trying to make my opinion, everybody else's. And that's just not, I know I'm going in the wrong direction when I'm asking everyone and their mother, what they're doing as though I don't know what I need to be doing for myself. Because I do know. We all know. Wow. Yes. Yeah. 
I believe, honestly, of all the people I've coached, I think the biggest, you know who the biggest person is that like makes the most change is the person that uses their insight. Like we all have our, our aunt, like we can coach anybody through anything, but really like most people already have their answer. They're just looking yeah. for like this external circumstance to like change it. And it's like, if we all kind of went with our instinct and trusted ourselves a little bit more, we would have peace like in our life. But instead we're calling every single person in our neighborhood to figure out what they're doing. But then what we don't know, Laura, is like these people's marriages are falling apart. These people like there's people in my life that they on the outside, everything's perfect. They've got the big house, the big dreams, but like literally their marriages are crumbling and it's like, okay, so we're calling Sue to see if we should send our kids back to school. But meanwhile, like her and her husband are thinking about getting a divorce because they've been in pandemic for six weeks and they hate each other. Like, isn't that right, funny? And you're asking them for their advice on like what right. you should be doing around this. Like right. you're the only one who knows that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. You and your spouse or whomever you're making yes. decisions with in your life. Yeah. Yes. Isn't yeah. that funny? So it's I do think hard. I do think a lot of what a lot of that, that need for external validation, because I think I have that more probably than a lot of the a lot of my friends. I mean, I'm probably the, the caller. I'm probably the one who asks the most questions about what should I be doing in this situation, what should I be doing in this situation? And I know that I have that um trait because of a lot of the experiences that I had growing up. Um, and not knowing that my inner voice was to be trusted. And so it's yes. such a huge part of my parenting, I guess, like, you know, the, one of the best pieces of advice, parenting advice that anyone ever gave me was a therapist who, who, um, I was talking to her about my kid coming home from school. She was like, just turned three. And she was telling me that her teachers were really mean to her and she had a horrible day. And I knew from like what I had been told and what I had witnessed that like that probably wasn't true. So the first time she told me this, she was telling me that like her teachers were hitting her and they were telling her that she was like saying all these horrible things about her. And if you know, if you've ever had like a three-year-old, like they will make up stories about what's going on with them just to kind of see your, what your reaction is. So when she first started telling me this, I immediately went on the defensive. Like you love school. Like I know your teachers didn't do that to you. Why would you tell me that they were like, but you had such a great day. And I immediately heard voices that I heard growing up, like getting in the car, trying to tell somebody I'd had a bad day and hearing mm -hmm. like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. And how awful wow. that felt. And wow. I was like, I'm never, I, I don't I want to do that anymore. So um, the next time she got in the car um, and told me that, I asked her about it. I asked her to tell me about it. I kind of responded to her as though it was really happening and ultimately got her to admit that she had had a really good day just by listening. I never once said that didn't happen to you. I said like, really Selma? What are, oh my gosh, that sounds terrible. Like, I can't believe, well, what, what, else, what can we do in that situation next time? And really entertaining the story that she was telling me. And she stopped telling me those stories. Like she completely stopped telling me. And I think honestly, it was her way of figuring out, can I talk to mom about these things? Can I tell her what's happening to me at school? And this therapist wow. said like, be a listening ear for her when she's trying to tell you this stuff now, because this is like her, she's testing the water for her teenage years. Like this is how you find out about the boyfriend that she has when she's 14. Like she's mm -hmm. waiting. She's trying to figure out if you're somebody that she can talk to. So don't tell her not to talk to you. Don't tell her that her feelings aren't valid. And I knew that like the second it cut, came out of my mouth. Um, okay. This isn't what I want to be doing. And I, I wanted to do things differently. So, um, yeah, I mean, so you were talking, you, you've had, I want to talk more about your life because I just think your story is so incredible. Um, 
but you were talking about having raised adult children and that making you afraid of having your own kids. So for those who might not know what an adult child is, if you want to go into maybe an explanation of that and talk a little more about your experiences, I think that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so <laughs> adult children, they're so fun. Um, basically they, um, well, first of all, I want to address the fact that like this, you know, how adult children happen is you spend so much time faking it, um, looking good to others, pretending you're the strong family, not addressing real emotions, being like, everything's fine. We're happy when we're miserable. Um, it's yeah. years and years and years and years and years of like, like my parents, they had the nice cars, the nice house. Um, my dad owned several businesses. I mean, everything was good on the outside, right? But like on the inside, like they were both like they both had so much childhood trauma on their own um, between like, I mean, everything you can think of. Um, that's their story to tell. But every type of trauma you could probably experience as a child they had that never got addressed. No therapists were ever involved. That was, you know, their ages. They're, they're in their mid 50s. And, you know, it wasn't just I, I, that's my goal in life is to make therapy a normal thing because um, it's about prevention. So if they if they had prevented um, all of the things that like kind of living in the past and getting stuck with all of that, it's like, then where would they be now? Um, but adult right. children are like people who can't really deal with their emotions. So, um, a lot of times what I think that they do is they just live so far in the past that they can't make it day to day, like a normal human being. They can't do the normal own a house, you know, pay your bills, do the things that you're supposed to do because they're just so focused on sitting in their head and thinking about all the things that have gone wrong and they just, they're not ready to address it. So that's kind of what I've like, that's why I'm so passionate, Laura, about mental health coaching and like motherhood and like taking care of ourselves because ultimately it all starts with us and it all ends with us. So yeah. like we create our own storms and like, that's what I've learned for so long. It's like my parents were amazing people um, but they had no boundaries, not, they had no boundaries. They had, they were always looking for validation. If anything happened in the family that was wrong, because we have a family of, um, you know, a lot of mental health issues like bipolar, schizophrenia, anxiety, depression, and then add drugs on top of that. And it's just a hot mess. But I always wonder like, you know, if they would have like prevent, you know, if they would have practice prevention, like journaling and reading and, um, getting a therapist and working through these emotions and like, really feeling the hard things instead of avoiding them with drugs and alcohol and overthinking and, and just keep helping other people. And like you said, when addiction is in your family, you, it, it's kind of a generational thing. It either, it either stops with you or it continues with you. And one thing I've noticed is the validation thing is huge um, because we don't, we don't have a voice. I'm telling you, I, I didn't have a voice Laura until about three years ago when my mom, um, she, she attempted to commit suicide and I saved her life. Um, and it was literally, she didn't want it saved. She was sitting on the bed. Um, and her, she lit her house on fire and she was sitting in the bed and she had a phone next to her. So she could have decided when it didn't work, she could have decided to be saved, but she still sat there next to her phone and didn't call anyone. And I lived with that guilt for a long time. But what I realized is no matter what I did to stop her and to help her and to help her get through things, it wasn't going to work. And it was a time in my life where I felt completely out of control. And then I realized like I have to change this or else I'm never going to be able to um, 
live with myself and I'm never going to be able to have a family and to have children. And, and I, I don't want to pass all these things down because it hurt me so deeply and I felt so out of control and I started finding my voice and it was insane to finally find my voice because like you said, I was the validation queen. Like you think you get validation. Like I would ask people, I mean, what should I wear? What color should I do my hair blonder? Should I go darker? Should I like everything you could think of? Should I go to college? Should I not go to college? Do you think I'd be good at this? What do you think I'm good at? Who do you think I am? Like literally I, I started a game in high school where I needed validation so much. I started a game with a group of my friends. Like every time we would get together and hang out, we would play two things I love about you and two things I hate about you. I mean, I started oh that game. God. Yeah. Because I wanted to know what was, what, what, what do people love about me? What am I good at? And what do people think that I was terrible at? And so I could get better, but it was like, it was so bad. And I, I suppressed that. And I pretended like I was that class clown. Like everybody thought, I mean, I lived in a double wide trailer, but everyone thought my parents were filthy rich because I dressed nice. And I, you know, laughed a lot and I hung out and I was free spirited, but really I was avoiding a lot of pain for a really long time because I didn't know how to find my voice until that happened with my mom. And we went to a rehab um, in Texas actually. And we did our very first family intensive and I was sitting on the couch with my three brother, two brothers and um, my husband and the therapist looked at me and we were all talking and they know that I'm the primary kind of caregiver of my adult child mother. And, um, she looked at me and she said, why are you not speaking up? Aren't you the one that knows all about this? Aren't you the one that found her, you know, almost dead? Aren't you the one? And I said, yeah. And I looked and she goes, so why are you sinking into the couch? And like, it literally was like a, a pivotal moment in my life. I'm like, I've been sinking in the couch my whole life. I've been afraid to find my voice and to stand up and to exactly to find who I am. And that's why I've always known, like, I have this deep, I mean, I love children. I've always been like super great with children, but I have this real fear of like, if I can't speak up and if I can't set boundaries and if I can't love myself, how dare I bring someone in this world to teach them to do the same things. And so it was just, it was a reality check for me, like get it together lady. And it's time to start really focusing on who you are as a person. And I think, especially as moms, um, like sometimes we, we can't plan everything out. Right. And sometimes we don't even know it's, it's all about timing. So sometimes like, we may have a, a baby and we're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize who I was. Like, I have no idea who I am. It's like, it shifts everything about you and that's okay, but it's never too late to start figuring out who you are. We don't need to wait 18 years until our kid's 18 years old and then have a mid midlife breakdown and have no purpose to like discover who we are. And I think it's just, it's sad to me and it, it hurts my heart because, you know, hurt people hurt people. And when we spend 18 years, like whether it's in a marriage or raising children, or doing anything that, that doesn't first prioritize who we are as a person and honor that, it's it's setting yourself up for failure, honestly. And I've seen it time and time again. I mean, my mom and dad aren't the only case. Ever, I mean, I have several aunts, uncles. My uncle committed suicide three years ago because he, he, he had no, he had no um, purpose, right? And so I think that's why mental health is so important to me is because I think a lot of us are afraid to break free and find freedom from those tra traumatic events, the addicted families, um, the uh, other people's opinions, to be honest with you, the fears that we've held on to so long for, um, and, and the circumstances we've held on to. We're so afraid to break free from that. But if we did, then we would find like so much light and that cloud would be lifted and we could finally like really step into who we are.
And I just think it's, it's so important. And I, I you well, know. yeah, I mean, sometimes yeah. that, sometimes the, sometimes we're broken free. Like we aren't the person to do the breaking. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, the pa- a pandemic happens, for example, yes. Or yes. we're blindsided by the way that it feels to actually have a child. And I've been talking about this so much on my podcast lately, but if we can just take life up on the opportunity, you know, when we feel discomfort, if we can invite it to sit with us, yes. um, that's our golden opportunity to transform. Mm. And I think um, this, listen, <laughs> this has been no picnic. Um, I've had a day um, or two um, in quarantine recently. It's not easy. Um, and I really want it. I'm in a, I'm having a day where I want it to be over um, immediately, but yeah. it's like, if we can just take, if we can just take, life up on like, okay, ask questions about it. Why is this so uncomfortable? The things that we're running away from all the time. Um, we have this opportunity right now to stop running. Um, yes. this is what so many of us, so many of us ask all the time to hit the reset button. Like here it is. Um, and I just want to say that your story is absolutely awe inspiring. And I know that you're not the only, I know there are a lot of people listening and you're certainly not the only person who's had that type of dynamic with a family member and um, struggled in silence because of it, because it's a very difficult thing to verbalize or to explain um, to anyone. And it, it plays out in so many kind of insidious ways in our lives. So the fact that you are, um, you've been able to recover from that, you know, as a human being and spiritually is, is amazing, and I think really inspiring. And I love hearing a story from someone who maybe struggled on the other side of addiction. So you weren't an addict yourself, but the way that addiction affected your life um, was enormous. And that's the story of so many people, um, Mm -hmm. whether we know it or not. Um, Addiction is something that affects so many of us. And um, it's not just the people using a substance um, who need to recover from that. It's all of us. And it affects anyone in connection with that person. And um, it affects the way that we behave. And I think so much of um, our need for validation as a society um, and so much of our self-doubt that that just permeates um, motherhood, especially like the culture of motherhood kind of stems from that. Um, and it really is like, you know, let it begin with me. Like with each one of us, there's an opportunity to do something differently and to find a new way and to look inward instead of outward and to show our children what that really looks like. And yes. I think that you're helping people do that. And I think that that's really amazing. And that's why I wanted to talk to you today. And I, um, the person who actually recommended that I talk to you said that she had been just struggling so much with um, the way her career was faring in this pandemic and that she was so identified with, with, what, with her work and how well she was doing and that you really helped her understand that that wasn't who she is. Yes. And um I think in the last decade, probably with the rise of social media, um, our work being who we are has just like magnified, like we knew better Mm -hmm. at one point, right? I feel like we used to know better, but it's become everything that Mm -hmm. um, people see what we're doing and acknowledge what we're doing. And if you've ever struggled with needing to be validated, well, here's the like button. Like, let's make it even harder for you. Now yes. Like now so you good. can get your fix wherever you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has really been the first time I can remember that we've had that, like gotten any space from that as a society um, that we've like, you know, all of our, our eyelashes are gone. <laughs> like, all, right. of our, all of our, like the stuff that we use, our masks, 
are gone. You know, we don't have the masks anymore. And, um, or not nearly to the extent that we used to, I have been doing quite a lot of at home face masking, but that's another story for another day. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that you, I love that you say, you say sitting with it. I think that's huge. Like sitting with our emotions, sitting with our overwhelm, sitting with our worth, like that's what's so the world's been going so fast and nobody spend the time to like, just sit with it. And I'm working with another client and she's like, She's like, Brandy, I've never, like, there's these things that happened to me eight years ago that I've never forgiven myself for. And, like, I wonder why I keep having these bouts of depression. And, like, one day I'm like, I don't know, am I worthy enough? Am I a good enough mom? And I'm get, good enough um, at my career? Am I good enough at this? And it's like, she was, like, identifying. And she said she'd been holding herself back for, like, the past six years since this traumatic event had happened. But she wasn't sitting with it. And like she's like, I've sat with it more in this last four weeks of your program than I ever have. And like today when we had a call, she was like, I just feel like awake and alive. And I'm like, listen, that's how we're meant to live. Like we're meant to feel like fully alive and fully free. But we have to give ourselves that grace to like sit in the mess of it and like that messy middle so that we can come out on the other side and we can like really em- embrace who we are and feel like you said, feel like we're enough and like we're doing enough when we're not like just trying to look like we're doing enough. And there's so much faking it. And I really think that this pandemic is going to cause us to really like, and I hope if if we don't learn this as a lesson, I mean, I, I don't know how it'll go, but I hope that this pandemic has showed so many people like when we slow down, we really do have to kind of process our emotions. And maybe some people I've been, I've been walking in the neighborhood, Laura, and I've been seeing men drinking beer and I and, and it's okay to have a drink every once in a while but I'm telling you every night the same neighbors are out on their porch drinking beer and I'm thinking to myself like listen like let's stop numbing it let's just address it so we can move past it and we can feel lighter and we don't have to pop a beer to feel better we can just pop a beer when we just feel like having a little bit of fun and a little bit of rest but not to like a, you know basically cover up all the real truth and so I think right and they're definitely I mean it's become very like in vogue to Mm -hmm. numb out it's what we see everywhere um and I've been acutely aware of that I think I honestly bought into it to a degree um and I I've been just acutely aware of that during this pandemic that like numbing has become like so socially normal and acceptable that we've even like lost sight of that, that that's what we're doing, but having a happy and joyous and fulfilling life, like that's our birthright. And right. I think we've forgotten that that's even possible in a lot of ways because um, so much of the narrative that we are constantly hearing about what life is supposed to look like is struggling and numbing and struggling and numbing. And right. um, a lot of that is caused by these external factors that have really been washed away Um, And so we have this golden opportunity to look at the way that we were living before and say, okay, like, how do I really want to feel in my life? And what do I really want it to look like? I was scrolling through my Instagram, like looking at my own feed the other day. And there came like a moment where I went from looking at the photos from like post like this current pandemic time to pre COVID. And um, we all kind of like idealize like, going back, right? When can we go back to normal? I right. am a lot happier in those photos of this time. <laughs> I, uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to go like, it's like, I miss things. I miss a lot of, um, I miss going to the movies. I want to sit and watch a movie in a movie theater so badly. Yes. Um, yes. and I miss like sitting in a restaurant across from my husband, but I look at 
my life before this started and then the the way that like the pictures start to change and how I feel. And there have been days of tremendous struggle um, in this quarantine for all of us. Um, I know I've had them. Um, but I look at those pictures and there's more joy. Like my life feels fuller because I've just been able to be so much more present. And um, I think I was being sold this lie that um, that's not necessarily possible. Um, yeah. And that so is like, that's what we're all here to to do and to enjoy. And like, I hope that that's something we get to keep. And Me too. I, I feel, I, I feel yeah. hopeful about that. Yes. And I think, I think you're so right. I hope that prioritizing the present becomes the new norm instead of prioritizing the past and numbing that. Um, or a lot of us live in the future. I, I kind of have my tendencies you'd think would be to live in the past considering my situation, but my tendencies are to live in that future and like, well, I need to be enough and do enough and work enough. Right. Um, and be a good enough this and a good enough that. But I think if we, if we're living in the future, if we'll give ourselves some grace and try to be prioritize the present and stop, we have to stop numbing and we have to start addressing what we're really going through so that we can heal from it. Not, we don't want to just sit in it all day long, but we've got to get in there. And like, you know, I would challenge your listeners and anybody listening to this, like so many people, like when they think about addiction, they think drugs and alcohol, right? But there's so many people addicted to reality TV, addicted to gossiping, addicted to worrying to death. I used to worry so much that I literally would wake up in the middle of the night to text my parents and to text people. And I would, I would get in my car to make sure my brother was home if he didn't answer. And we're addicted to all these things because we're trying to avoid. And this is such a good time, Laura, to like you said, stop, prioritize the present, address and quit numbing so that we can live like more happy and with more joy. Because that's what we're, that's what we're put on this earth to do is to, is to live with joy. And it can be dark, but if we, if we just let it kind of play in the background and we don't address it we can't really move forward right and let it be let it be challenging to let that go like let it we were all like there was so much buzz there was so much adrenaline I mean the adrenaline (laughs) rushes that we were just getting from living our day-to-day lives all of that comes to an abrupt halt it's going to feel extremely challenging to our bodies our minds our nervous system like let it be uncomfortable Um, so that we can just let it go because that's, it's going to be uncomfortable. And I think we have this way of mistaking that discomfort for something's wrong. I have to fix it. Mm -hmm. I have to put a bandaid on it. I have to make the discomfort go away. That discomfort is actually like this letting go of something that's not working so that something that is working can come into the picture. Yes. The discomfort is your path to freedom. Like it's, that's what the discomfort is. It's like, feel it and like, let go. And like, it's this path to like, ending all this heaviness around you. I love that. Like just, yeah. yes, yes. Walk That's into so it. Yes. Well, and embrace I can't it. Be the, uh, I can't be the only person who wants to schedule an appointment with you after this uh, <laughs> podcast, but um, uh, assuming there are many others who, who might, um, I want to let them know where they can find you. So um, you are on Instagram. You're online. Just give us all, give us all the info. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you for, um, letting me be on your podcast. I'm honored to be here for your listeners. And um, they can find me at my Instagram handle is at becoming Brandy Lee, B-R-A-N-D-I-L-E-A, becoming. It's a big but powerful word for me because it's a never ending journey to becoming all we are meant to be. Um, and then they can find me on Facebook. My page is Brandy Lee, B-R-A-N-D-I-L-E-A. So those are the two places they can come chat with me if they just need a friend or need a need a voice or are ready to kind of 
step out of that comfortable zone and get uncomfortable for a little while so they can find some freedom. I love it, Brandy. Thank you again for being my guest. I have loved chatting with you. And um, I hope you and your husband stay safe and healthy during this time. Yes, you too. And thank you so much. And go enjoy those little babies. Thank you. And you all have been listening to Look Ma No Hands. I'm your host, Laura Max Rose. Thanks again for joining me. If you like this episode and are listening on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a review. That helps me get this in more people's earbuds and speakers. And thanks for joining me. We'll talk to you again next time. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Look Ma No Hands. I'm Laura Max Rose, and you can follow me on Instagram at Laura Max Rose to stay up to date on upcoming episodes and the behind the scenes of my life with my own two daughters. If you like this episode and are enjoying Look Ma No Hands, the best way you can help me spread the word is to leave a review on Apple Podcast. This is the single best way to help me reach a larger audience and share these conversations with everyone who needs to hear them. If you love something you just heard, you can also take a screenshot of the episode and share it on social media. There might be someone you know who needs to hear what you just heard, and that's another great way to make sure they do. Thank you for joining me every week. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. More next time. Mama, mama, mama.